Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. All talk here in Washington, D.C. turns to President-elect Joe Biden's administration. Historically speaking, the markets have performed better when there is divided government. The biggest pressure for physical stimulus is an uptick in cases. Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. Biden has promised again and again that he will unite the country. State governments control elections. That's in the Constitution. I think that we can expect a smooth, thoughtful, methodical transition. This is... Is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Coronavirus striking fear across the country as President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President Mike Pence give two different briefings urging citizens to take notice of the rising cases. Plus, what's been going on Capitol Hill as now Republicans weighing in on whether or not President Trump should brief President-elect Joe Biden, we begin tonight with sound on the coronavirus and how governors across the country are handling it. President-elect Joe Biden speaking to a bipartisan group of governors earlier today from Wilmington, Delaware, lamented that the Trump administration's lack of cooperation on the transition, which he says hinders his team's ability to get up-to-date information on the pandemic. I want to work with you and the Congress on a bipartisan basis to make sure you get the resources you need, from PPE to vaccines. You need help, and I want you to know that I will be your partner in in the White House. I I, I don't see this, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I don't see this as a red state issue or a blue state issue. I see this, we're all this together. Meanwhile, just down the Acela Corridor, speaking from the Republican National Committee headquarters in Washington, D.C., President Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, is still charging fraud in cities controlled by Democrats. There's not a singular voter fraud in one state. This pattern repeats itself in a number of states. The recount being done in Georgia will tell us nothing because these fraudulent ballots will just be counted again because they wouldn't supply the signatures to match the ballot. It comes as economists are continuing to warn that the economy could be headed back to a recession and Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas President Robert Kaplan says that he's not ruling out such a scenario. He spoke to my colleague David Weston earlier. It is possible we could have negative growth if this resurgence gets bad enough and mobility falls off enough so that local officials, even though they don't want to do more restrictions, They don't have a choice. So the next couple of quarters is going to be very challenging. My guest and panelist with me for the hour, A.B. Stoddard, associate editor at Real Clear Politics, and Drew Lippman, a policy director at Brownstein, Hyatt, Farber, and Shrek, the former chief of staff for Senator Al Franken. Thank you both so much for being here. A.B., that's where things stand this evening as questions surrounding Republicans not briefing President-elect Biden's transition teams and now warning signs not just from the health sector but also and public health officials, but also from economists. Yeah, I'm, Kevin, everyone is really caught up in the terrible 
uh, maelstrom, um, uh, the threat to democracy that the president has created with his false claims of conspiracy fraud on the election. But the coronavirus, the milestone of 250 million dead, the raging infection rates, we have better death rates, but we have worse infection and positivity and hospitalization rates than we did in the spring. And we are breaking our health care system. People are running out of the stimulus money that sustained them uh, through the summer. And Congress is not um, set, you know, providing a buffer for, for people as we head into a winter where there will be more restrictions. There will be a lot more loss. Uh, a lot more closures, probably done by zip code or county, depending on infection rates, but a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. And uh, people really need to focus on the fact that there's so much we can do before the vaccine to not see another, uh, to not reach 300,000 deaths by December 12th. Uh, there's a lot that we can do, but it's going to require some action by Congress. And it's going to require an integrated effort between the current administration and the incoming Biden administration um, in the interest of public health. And we're not seeing Seeing that from uh, the Trump administration, and it's, it's absolutely tragic that this virus has been able to rage without control since day one. They've never had a policy to control it. What you heard Vice President Biden talking about was not that he, as president, will be demanding a nationalized lockdown strategy of these governors. He wants them to have resources that they were not provided inadequate amounts by this administration because there was no nationally coordinated plan. More PPE, more tests. Why do we have high positivity? Because we don't have enough tests. More contact tracing. That's what we need this winter. I want to pick up on something, Drew, that A.B. Stoddard just mentioned, which was this integrated effort or lack thereof, of the outgoing administration and President-elect Joe Biden, because we have sound on this. In Washington, D.C. earlier today, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Republican, California, he was asked by reporters in the halls of Congress if the Trump administration should be helping the Biden team as they transition on the coronavirus. Here he is. You have one president at a time. We have the military putting through and planning this ahead of time. So I want to follow through, and if we can get people the vaccine next month, let's do it. Drew, your reaction? Well, I, it's more complicated than, than McCarthy makes it sound. When I was at HHS at the end of the Obama administration, at this point, I mean, we were, the politicals at least, were, were stunned that Donald Trump had won. But in a business-like way, the binders were being assembled from every agency and office at HHS to hand over to the Trump people when they when they sent their onboarding team. I'm hesitating about onboarding teams only because it turned out Trump didn't have any. But typically, that's how a transition would work. Now, it's true. Trump didn't have a normal transition where all these things happened because he didn't prepare to win in 2016. So, so he himself and some of his people really don't know how it works. But yes, they have to get integrated, especially on something as, as complicated, logistically complicated, right as getting vaccines to 200 million people and vaccines that require an initial injection and then depending on which one you use, either a three-week right. or four-week 
delay for a booster. So that's two injections. You're talking about 500 million injections. I want to continue this conversation. And coming up, we're going to go behind the scenes in terms of what specifically a transition looks like and what is not being done. And Drew and his experience at HHS and the Obama administration will help guide us through that. Drew Lippman stays. A.B. Stoddard stays. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. And you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. That song is from 1989 by Roy Oberson, and I have to say it is a Cirilli family classic at relatives' weddings. Uh, Okay, we've been talking about the transition and the lack of briefings coming from President Trump's team to President-elect Joe Biden's team, and it really has been bubbling over this week in particular. A.B. Stoddard is with us, associate editor at Real Clear Politics, and Drew Littman, a policy director at Brownstein Hyatt Farber and Shrek, the former chief of staff for Senator Al Franken, and also, also a senior counselor to the Health and Human Services Secretary Sylvia Matthews Burwell in the Obama administration as well. Um, and I want to ask you this, Drew. Purely from an analytical perspective and not from a political perspective, I have when I talk to sources right now at the staff level at various agencies, they are preparing transition binders. So that is getting done, and that's typical. and And it happens not just if there's a a change in power from a political party perspective, but also obviously it for predecessors if they leave a job, for example, and someone else comes in and takes it. But this is different. The criticism that that President-elect Biden is is lodging, lobbying against President Trump is a lack of, of briefings on coronavirus and national security. But specifically, what what does that look like? Well, fortunately, there aren't so many of these incidents that there's a cut and dry pattern like there is for preparing those briefing binders. Yeah, but. Uh, you would want to know where the FDA is in its approval processes. You would want to know what the FDA's capacity is. If you have, say, two more big pharmaceutical companies that say they have vaccines, can the FDA actually approve four vaccines that quickly? You'd want to know what um, what conditions the FDA will impose. Two vaccines that are that are, appear to be on the verge of being made available were tested, I believe, only on adults. They haven't been tested on children. And children would be probably at the back of the line for getting vaccinated because they they seem to be less vulnerable, say, than senior citizens. But is there a protocol for, for testing for children? There may not be one developed. What's the plan for distribution? Contrary to what some people in Washington have said, the Army is not actually going to fan out across the country and give people 500 inoculations can't be done that way. So who's meeting with the drugstores? If you if you had a COVID test, then you know that this process is extremely decentralized. You have to go shopping online to find a testing site. That's not necessarily a problem, but you'd want more of a 
top-down regimen so, I so guess, that people know where to go to get tested. So I guess this is not just purely a symbolic measure in terms of a lack of briefings from people on the coronavirus task force providing updates to the transition team, Biden's transition team. It's not just symbolic in terms of the peaceful nature of a peaceful transition of power. It's also concrete. It also is hindering. What I don't want to put words in your mouth, Drew, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it's hindering what I'm gathering from you telling me. It's hindering President-elect Biden's ability to have CEO-level conversations and meetings because it puts them in a bind of whether or not to, to get the ire of the outgoing administration. I think... That's well put, Kevin. And while this is a peaceful transition, it's a peaceful transition during wartime, in a sense. And if you imagine if a well, general a was pandemic. being pulled out of the field, or an army was being pulled out of the field, or a battalion is being pulled out of the field, you need the battalion that's replacing them and the officers who are replacing them to know exactly where things stand when they were pulled off the field. Well, we- There's not a long interregnum so that you can get oriented again. Well, we have sounds on the transition from White House senior advisor to President Obama, Valerie Jarrett, because my colleague David Weston spoke earlier today on balance of power with Valerie Jarrett about the transition from President Bush to President Obama. Here, here she is. And I always say that one of the things that surprised me with President Obama's transition was the unbelievable degree of cooperation we received from President Bush. Now, we may not have agreed with him on policies, but what President Bush believed is in the smooth and orderly transition of power. Now, uh, A.B. Stoddard, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when the biggest controversy from the from the transition was the Clinton team removing all of the W's from the keyboards in the White House as a prank, a friendly prank. But this seems to be different, A.B. I think it was pretty obnoxious that they did that <laughs> all those years ago. <laughs> I, I would just like to register my, um, I think it's a little distasteful, well but but well I said. do think um, it's, you know, it's really true that um, what we're describing here is, you know, we're in the middle of a once in a hundred year health emergency. It is far worse than it was when it was announced and sort of articulated to the nation back in March, which at that point was too late. And we are trying to mobilize the government to to distribute a vaccine as, as quickly as possible. It's a lot of moving parts. It's, it is an unprecedented rate of speed. And there is that education component to convince enough of the public as quickly as possible um, to take it. But there are other things that, that Joe Biden will be having to deal with. There are other emergencies. And so there will be some godforsaken, unknown you know, national security event, to be sure. But there's an economic crisis. And I want so- to pick up on that because that's so important. And I, I had coffee the other day with Mike Allen over at Axios. And, and, and he just is so... He, A.B. and Mike Allen, I mean, you both are so brilliant in terms of the perspective that you're able to provide historically, because he said to me, every presidency is shaped by an unknown force that that none of us are talking about. So for President Trump, it's the pandemic. For George W. Bush, it was 9-11. For Barack Obama, it was the 2008 economic recession. And so I think we've got a minute left, A.B., but I want to give you the the period endpoint on this. Uh, That's where... The lack, it's because it is a, 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 an American tradition, the transition of power, but the lack of communication right now 
I, I want to get to the substance of just really what it is putting people, not just the the the, the administration, but also members of Congress, uh, really not being able to start on firm footing. The members of Congress in both parties need to support this transition so that every single American, whether they voted for Joe Biden or not, is protected to the best ability that he can provide. And that is not happening right now because the Republican Party is playing along with the president's con. It's extremely reckless what's going on. Let's it leave it there. Let's leave it there for now. And coming up, they're going to tell me what uh, what's on their radar. Well said, A.B. Stoddard. Uh, I'm Kevin Cirilli. Coming up next, we check in with Congress. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. We continue with new data on the coronavirus as states and cities from New Hampshire to Idaho added restrictions to stem record U.S. COVID-19 cases and limit pressure on hospitals, including expanded measures in several parts of New York State. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention urged Americans not to travel for Thanksgiving in New Hampshire. The governor there imposed a mask-wearing mandate, a headline crossing the Bloomberg terminal just within the last several minutes. California ordering a 10 p.m. curfew for 94% of the state's population. And then what's happening in Michigan? The Detroit News reporting Michigan shatters weekly COVID-19 case record for fifth week in a row. Our next guest is from Michigan's 11th Congressional District. Her name is Congresswoman Haley Stevens, Congresswoman, uh, a Democrat from Michigan's 11th Congressional District. Uh, Congresswoman, thanks for joining us. This virus continues to spread. What needs to be done to stop it? Well, as we've always said, Kevin, we've got to have the proper testing and tracing in place. I'm in full support of President-elect Biden's plan to double testing. Uh, We now have uh, different types of tests where we can do a uh, just a quick nasal swab, not the the in-depth swab that people are getting. And obviously also we're very optimistic about the vaccine and the development of the vaccine. And I'll just say this was the first action that Congress took in a very bipartisan way when uh, in the very early days before we were declared in, in a pandemic by the World Health Organization to invest in the research and development of a vaccine. 
the president, the outgoing president, President Trump, uh, declared this as Operation Warp Speed, and now we've got two leading contenders for this vaccine and a real path forward to uh, having it in place uh, by the end of this year. It's remarkable because, as you know, you and your colleagues are uh, debating, I don't know if negotiating is the right word anymore, uh, leadership is, as well as Secretary Mnuchin, another round of fiscal stimulus. Are you optimistic or is it a pipe dream that fiscal stimulus can get done in the lame duck? Well, I'm always optimistic. I, was <laughs> I like, optimistic I'm an optimist too, Congresswoman. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's, let's be in the club together. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I was I was optimistic back in in July. You know, I actually left things in Washington, thinking, "Oh, we'll be right back." And then, right, I was optimistic in March when they said it was only going to last fifteen days. Go ahead. <laughs> right? No, no. Well, you know, that's you got to just follow the science of pandemics. But yeah, no, we look. It, some of this stuff gets caught in, you know, the outgoing president tweets, um, you know, Secretary Mnuchin, I, I served many years, um, a handful of years in the Department of the Treasury under uh, President Obama. Um, that was yep. at the time Secretary Geithner. And, you know, look, look Mnuchin's been, a, you know, an honest broker. Um, I was optimistic to hear that talks have resumed, but oh my gosh, let's just get this done. You know, we, we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? We we can, you know, do the proper spending, support our hardworking Americans of all stripes. You know, certainly it's been very bipartisan to do these stimulus checks, uh, but also the support for, for our state and local uh, entities, as well as for our schools. You know, for our schools, we got to keep our children educated. Well, it's remarkable. You brought up your experience with former Secretary Geithner because just earlier today, Secretary Mnuchin sought the return of unused funds from the Federal Reserve's emergency lending facilities. And now Fed Chair Jay Powell is saying not so fast. So Mnuchin sends a letter to Powell trying to get a 90-day extension for the four of the central bank's emergency lending programs, but requested that the other programs that are going to expire on December 31st, and the Fed returned $455 billion to Treasury so that Congress can spend the money elsewhere. So they're trying to get back money from the Fed. The Fed's saying, I'm quoting uh, this statement from, from Chairman Powell, quote, the Federal Reserve would prefer that the full suit of emergency facilities established during the coronavirus pandemic continue to serve their important role as a backstop for our still strained and vulnerable economy. In other words, what they're saying is, no, we want to keep this and continue these facilities. And Secretary Mnuchin is saying, give us back the money so that we we don't have to get a deal with Congress. It, I Now they're now it appears that there's a divide between the outgoing Treasury Secretary and the current chairman of the Fed. Well, our chairman of the Fed has been a very interesting. Uh, but can you just put uh, us in perspective for us? Just because yeah. uh, it's. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. I, I, I'd be happy to. I mean, and, and this is this is obviously my perspective, but I, I would say that Chairman, chairman Paul has been very clear uh, about who he is serving, uh, and that is the American people through the stewardship and his role uh, at the at the Federal Reserve. And I would also say that I 
I made this inquiry as a member of Congress. We allocated hundreds of billions of dollars in almost unprecedented fashion to the Federal Reserve for middle market lending programs that really have never been, and this is not a criticism of Paul, it's the mechanism, right? Because all of a sudden you have the Federal Reserve as a direct lender for for almost the first time ever. And if you recall, when the Treasury was the lender during the Troubled Asset Relief Program of 2008-2009, that was also different for for Treasury. And in fact, it's been different for the SBA to be a direct lender with some of the monies that have been allocated through the CARES Act funding. And so you sort of have you know, a, a federal government that's highly strained. You have Chairman Paul, I think, being very consistent to his intended purpose on what he is trying to do, which is to make sure that our economy can be stabilized and also being really clear about the long-term unemployment. I remember when he was saying this in at the end of Q1 into Q2, and people were shocked by what they were hearing yeah. because they, like you, Kevin, were kind of thinking, is this just going to be over in three weeks? It's so from, yeah. I haven't obviously had a conversation with either gentleman about their, their current back and forth, but what I would say is that we shouldn't try and skirt what we need to do. If we aren't using the funds at the Federal Reserve, which I believe that middle market lending program should be in effect, there's certainly hardest hit businesses. There's, for instance, this is just one example. There's there's movie theater businesses that didn't qualify for PPP because they were too large. There was our daycare center centers that didn't qualify for PPP based on their uh, NAICS code designation, and we're still resolving that. Well, that's what and, I know, think. And I say this, yeah, uh, Congressman Haley Stevens is with us. She's a Democrat representing Michigan's 11th Congressional District, which is uh, a, a suburban Detroit, right? Uh, just around that area. Uh, and sure. and and it's 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 uh, one of the as a reporter, one of the criticisms that I've heard consistently spanning the ideological spectrum was the lack of communication coming from uh, all of Washington and not. And not pointing out you know any politicians on any side of the aisle in terms of directly telling companies of all levels this is the process because it was and maybe it was it was inadvertent but it's remarkable and and hopefully the next round of stimulus will be a bit more organized in terms of the rollout because people are craving it we've got it we've got to invest in the technical assistance yes and we have a minute left and i and i want to get to this because you were a staffer during the obama biden transition one of the few if any current members of congress to do so can you offer us a perspective on the transition between obama the uh uh, during the obama biden transition from the bush years uh versus what we're not seeing right now Well, what we're witnessing right now is absolutely astonishing. Uh, This outgoing administration should be in full coordination with the incoming administration, very similar to where we were in 2008. We are in the middle of a crisis. In 08, it was a financial crash, uh, and now it's a pandemic. And we need that coordination, but not just even around the the hot-button issues. I mean, just for the continuity of government, right? There is you know, our Veterans Affairs Administration to, uh, you know, our FDA that's doing food inspection. We need that to go forward. I think that Joe Biden uh, and Kamala Harris ran a remarkable yes. campaign. And, and, and look, they're running a good transition, but they need that coordination. We need to see that happening. We just got to stop. You know, this, this election yeah. was really clear. Okay. All right, Congresswoman Haley Stevens, thanks so much for your time. And AU grad, I'm Kevin Surly. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. 
It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. We are talking all things coronavirus and the economy and What's been going on with the transitions in power? And it's a thread that has emerged in Washington, D.C. from at a very granular level as everyone from, from staffers trying to jockey for positions at an incoming administration or Republican staffers on an outgoing administration trying to figure out where do they land. Uh, and it's, it's really put things in a virtual for every sense of the word, a virtual hold. Uh, I'm very grateful to have our panel with us for the hour for what is my favorite part of the program, which of course is what is on the panel's radar. A.B. Stoddard is an associate editor for Real Clear Politics. And Mr. Littman is, of course, uh, over at Hyatt Farber Shrek. Oh my gosh, I said it wrong. Brownstein, Hyatt, Farber, and Shrek. Drew Lippman, Policy Director for Brownstein, Hyatt, Farber, and Shrek, and former Chief of Staff for Senator Al Franken. You know, uh, A.V., just before we get to what's on the radar, uh, I don't know if you were able to, to catch that interview that I did with, with Congresswoman Stevens, but you hear from her almost a, a befuddlement coming from a lack of leadership in both sides of the aisle and a frustration at the rank-and-file level that they're doesn't seem to be a plan for stimulus. This is now California within the last half hour issuing a 10 p.m. curfew for like 94 percent of its residents. Yeah, I, I mean, I I was heartened, um, as cynical as it is, of Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, to see him the day after the election say that he might be open-minded about stimulus when he fought very hard in September and October against it and left the negotiations largely to the House Speaker and, as you mentioned, the Secretary of the Treasury, Steve Mnuchin, from the administration. The president never negotiates with anyone in Congress. But, um, you know, at least we had someone from the White House talking to someone from the Congress, but we did not have any buy-in from the Senate um, until after the election, and that seems to have faded. So I hope that there's there can be some... Um, revival of of these uh, talks because, again, we're heading into a really tough stretch of the economy with um, potentially the bottom falling out for millions of Americans this winter, businesses that are going to shut for good. Um, and uh, it's, it's really uh, seems crazy that they can't come together in the lame duck 
and work on something when they know how badly it's needed. Uh, again, I think that this, what the president is doing to attack democracy is consuming everything, and that's unfortunate because they need to get back to the table with some kind of COVID relief as soon as possible and waiting until January 20th is irresponsible. And just three follow-up points on that. First, uh, tomorrow, President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris will meet in person with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. Secondly, earlier today, Speaker Pelosi staff, as well as Leader McConnell's staff, met to hash out some details on that CR. Let's not forget that they've got to avoid a government shutdown uh, around by December 11th. Uh, and Mark Meadows is suggesting that a government shutdown is not completely off the table. So they appear to be inching toward a deal on that front, $1.4 trillion. And just thirdly, on the economic front, just to, to add some data to this, U.S. initial jobless claims rose for the first time in five weeks. Applications for U.S. state unemployment benefits rose for the first time in five weeks and remained well above pre-virus levels, suggesting that the labor market recovery is slowing amid a surging pandemic and fresh new business restrictions across the country. All right, Dan Lippman, what's on your radar? Well, I think just to continue the point that you made, Kevin, at the end of the year, we're facing this coronavirus unemployment cliff. Twelve million workers will lose their unemployment benefits as of the last day of the year. These are our workers who are getting benefits because of the CARES Act. So they're getting federal benefits where their state benefits expired or they're gig workers who didn't qualify for unemployment under a, a traditional definition. For 12 million workers to lose their benefits all at once, they know going into Christmas they're not going to get the, <laughs> they're going to lose their benefits. That's catastrophic for, for an economy that's already foundering. Yeah, that's a good one, and it's uh, you're you're absolutely absolutely right. And just uh, uh, to to flash a headline that just came across my Bloomberg terminal: Georgia is set to certify a win for Biden. On November 20th. So we're following, obviously, that as the state certifications uh, continue to inch forward. A.B. Stoddard, what's on your radar? Kevin, I really don't know how many of your listeners wasted time today watching Rudy Giuliani's performance, um, putting on a press conference uh, with nonsensical claims and implicit threats uh, from a variety of characters in addition to him. But we're really entering uh, a stage where we cannot wait until January 5th for the Republican Party to tell their voters that this has been a free and fair election, just like the Homeland Security Department said. What the president is doing is outrageous. It's an attack on democracy. It is a complete and utter con and a complete and utter lie. Republican leaders across the party and at the RNC know this. They are silent and they're complicit. And we cannot sit here in a no-man's land. Uh, as he continues to uh, make up these fantasies and really tear down our system, not only for this presidency, but for any future election until the Georgia runoff. Something has to happen soon. Do you think that this will lead in a year or so to a nonpartisan election commission? Because clearly Democrats several years ago had concerns about foreign interference, many, and not just Democrats, many, the intelligence community, a lot of people did. Uh, and now Republicans are, are raising concerns of their own. Do you think we could get a positive outcome? I really hope people are going to invest in a lot of, um, of protections of our system um, after uh, President Trump leaves office and we're into a new administration. I would like a lot of government reforms. 
having to do with conflicts of business interests and nepotism uh, all the way through election security. It's extremely important, though, to thank the people that made this most secure election ever happen in a pandemic. Um, with a sabotaged postal service, it was actually a miracle what these heroes were able to pull off. Remarkable. But yes, we can make it better. All right, here's what's on my radar. We're going to go geopolitical. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo became the first top U.S. diplomat to visit an Israeli settlement in the West Bank, infuriating Palestinians and underscoring in his waning days as president just how much Donald Trump bound his administration to Israel. Shortly after the visit, the State Department announced that imported goods produced in some Israeli settlements can be labeled made in Israel, breaking with longstanding American policy. It called the change, quote, consistent with our reality based foreign policy approach, end quote. The lenient attitude toward the settlement stands in sharp contrast to international consensus, which regards them as a violation of international law and is now an opportunity for Secretary Pompeo to continue with what has really been a very pro-Israel approach to how he has led the State Department. I'm reading and paraphrasing from Nick Wadham's reporting on the Bloomberg terminal. Uh, for for Israeli Americans, I mean, this was a huge, huge win. Uh, and Secretary Pompeo, again, con- continuing uh, with this, what I think will be, I, you know, objectively speaking, a massive part of his legacy in terms of his tenure at the State Department and what his team and Brian Hook and, and all of those individuals uh, have been doing uh, at the State Department. So no doubt uh, a, a major milestone to have, uh, again, uh, the first top U.S. diplomat at an Israeli settlement. Uh, and he traveled there uh, during this week. My thanks to Drew Littman, Policy Director at Brownstein Hyatt Farber and Trek. Tell your old boss, former uh, Chief of Staff for Senator Al Franken, tell your old boss to do an interview with me. I'm guest hosting Balance of Power next week. Would love to have him on, Drew. Uh, and I'm off tomorrow, folks. And uh, But I'll be back Monday. And my also gratitude to A.B. Stoddard, who is Nick's really my dad is president of A.B. Stoddard's fan club. And when I got the radio show said to me, do you think you could book A.B. Stoddard? I said, I hope so. Associate editor of Real Clear Politics always makes me more informed and smarter. Thank you both for spending the time. And thanks you to you as well for listening. I'm incredibly appreciative of that. Truly, I am. I'm Kevin Cerulli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And you're listening to Bloomberg 991. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.